0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard. Today, we are doing things a little bit differently than we normally do. Our guest is musician Karen Waldrop. Now, we don't normally have artists and musicians on this show or actors. It's not really what we're about. We're all about moving you forward and helping you understand the processes behind uh, genius performance, behind making you your best self. So, why do we have Karen Waldrop? Well, Karen. Did something a little bit different than what most artists do. Instead of getting a record deal and having the record company finance her album, she has built a fan base from doing live shows across the country, and she self-financed through a crowd through, through crowdfunding on Indiegogo her first and I mean her most recent studio album. Uh, here's a little sample of it. If you want to listen to the rest of that song, it's all about, you know, it's all about gumption. Uh, I'll play the rest of it at the end of the show. But uh, I wanted to introduce you guys to to, to Karen because I think her story is exceptional and it's an exceptionally motivating story. And that's what made us want to reach out to her and talk to her. So without further ado, here is my interview with Karen Waldrop. All right. Hi, Karen Waldrop. How are you?
1: good morning i 'm doing really great. Thank you very much.
0: Well, thank you so much for being a part of this. Um, one of the things I really you know, maybe not a lot of people are familiar with your story, but I think you know most people view specifically things in the entertainment industry, uh, whether it 's acting or music or or anything they They view everybody that m- makes it as sort of making it in an, uh, you know, being plucked from obscurity and making it as an overnight sensation without seeing the years of work that go into it. Um, so I kind of want to, I want to, I want to get to know that story. What, what made you first off, what made you decide that this was what you wanted to do, that being a musician is what you wanted to be?
1: You know, whenever I was in college, I, I would play a lot of shows around the, my college area and that was fun and people would pay me and it seemed like a really fun thing. And back then it was like, oh, this is cool. You know, I'm in college. And then I think it was because it started to just kind of snowball into so many shows and so many events that we were being a part of. And I think I just kind of got hooked, you know. I just thought, wow, this is really fun. And what a great way to make a living, make people feel good and, and make positive music. So I just decided, you know, I had graduated from college and I knew I wanted to move somewhere. And, and I didn't want to move back to my hometown because um, New Orleans is kind of known for blues and jazz. Mm-hmm. And I find myself kind of drawn towards country music. So I said, thought, well, I'm going to move to Nashville because it would give me an opportunity to be part of the country music scene mm-hmm. rather than uh, jazz or blues, which for whatever reason just wasn't my passion musically. Um, so I moved to Nashville and I had a day job at first um, because I was kind of realistic with myself back then. And I knew that it was a long road. I knew it wasn't, for some reason I was smart enough to know that it wasn't a snap your fingers and some magical wizard was going to discover your talent and and turn you into a um, success you know I knew that it was going to be connections and songwriter nights and writing and production and touring I just knew it I knew it was going to be a lot more than just snap your fingers and make it happen so I had a day job for my first three years in Nashville I was actually I was selling copy machines oh wow (laughs) Which actually really ended up benefiting me a lot in the end because there was so much rejection and copy machine sales and so much, um, honestly, a a big part of getting tough skin that's helped me a lot in the music industry because, you know, I don't really get my feelings hurt that much. I just think, you know, God never says no. He just says not now. And so I just kind of try to, I try to just, when someone says, you know, we're not interested in streaming this or we're not interested in being a part of this or whatever. I just I still continue to make a you know have a friend friend there and, and bump in and chit chat with them in town and stuff because sure enough every freaking time a couple years later there they are a part of what you're doing because you just because if you're positive and you're happy and you're mm-hmm. kind people are okay with the long run.
0: So you're sell, so you're selling copiers uh, to people who eventually become your your fans I'm assuming and, yeah. <laughs> and, and and what are you doing at night What are you doing at night to uh, What are you doing the rest of your time to make that work.
1: Yeah, so then at night it would just be like, okay, well, I'm gonna go sing at a songwriter night or I'm gonna go out and do a networking event. And I did a lot more of that when I first got to town than I do now, just because I'm, my schedule is kind of a lot more crazy now than it mm-hmm. was. And I, I, I value my rest a lot. Um, but back then, you know, I would just go to as many little events as I could. And, and when I first got to town, it was all about networking. And I think the longer I've been here, the more I've realized that it's actually not about networking, it's actually about making friends. And, um, that's, and so that's networking of- is
0: just a is just a fun buzzword for making friends. It's yep. fun going out and hanging out with people, and we call that networking so we can justify it as work.
1: <laughs> Justified, Lo- love it.
0: <laughs> but, um, so, so you're going to these, these songwriter nights, and I guess I guess what what I want to know is how do you see the whole mission as you're kind of grinding it out? I mean, you're selling copiers. How do you not get defeated? Because we talk a lot about, um, on this podcast and on our shows, we talk a lot about how um, how you need to have these big goals, but you need to take daily action. But one of the things that I struggle with is that in taking the daily action, I start to lose my focus on the bigger goal, and it, it makes the whole thing unravel. How do you stay with it as you're, as you're facing copier rejection and songwriter rejection?
1: You know, I think I just try to... Remember that my purpose in music is not clear. You know, it's not always clear. It's always unsure. It has always been unsure. And so, whenever something surprises me, like maybe a door closes or I don't get an opportunity that I, I thought, oh my gosh, I thought that was perfect for me. I, I can't believe that happened. Every single time, there's always a reason, like some bigger thing happens or oh my gosh, I can't, I'm so glad that that didn't happen because then we wouldn't have been able to do this. Mm -hmm. And so I try to just keep the peace and just remember that, you know, it's not brain surgery. It's just music. And we're just trying to make people happy. And Mm -hmm. all our goal is to just roll into their town and make them feel good. And if we can do that, then we're succeeding. And so, I don't know, I kind of try to take the burden off of myself a little bit. I kind of just try to, to remember, you know, tonight we're playing like, the most beautiful, you know, lavish hotel in all of Nashville, the Hermitage Hotel, you know, and it's this this harps and all this gorgeous and I'm wearing this fancy dress and all that. But really, it's the same exact thing. It's the same people as you play in a honky tonk, you know, so yeah. I try to just to keep it like centered and just keep it in a place where it's just not that it's not that serious, you know, and that really yeah. helps me a lot.
0: Yeah, I'm okay. try to all keep
1: right. about the music.
0: I mean, if you can keep, if you can keep your focus on whatever the art form is, I think that's, um, I think that's where it becomes really useful, focusing on what you have to offer, and what your, what your core, I mean, we, not to use a buzzword, but what your core competency is, and it seems like your core competency is, is that you're a great player. But so let's go back. So you're, you're, you're working during the day, you're doing songwriter meetings at night. And how, how was that going at first?
1: It was great, you know. I would make, you know, when I was selling copy machines, I was so determined to quit selling copy machines that I was stacking way. (laughs) I was constantly every time I got paid, I would put money aside, put money aside, put money aside, and so it was more about, you know, getting myself financially set to take the plunge to go full time Mm -hmm. um, because I knew that I never wanted to be in such a desperate situation with music that I would you know, have to do something for money rather than for music. So in other words, I never wanted to feel like I was up there just worried about people tipping me or worried about where they're going to buy CD. So I really wanted to set myself up financially right. to where I could walk on stage freely and do the art of music and let. God and the people support me in whichever way that they wanted. Mm-hmm. So I, I saved money for about three years. And, um, and during those three years, I was making pretty good money. Cause I was like killing it, selling copy machines. I sold $1.5 million in copy machines in three years nice i was i was killing it like i was just killing it selling these machines because it was, that's, fun, a lot, that's,
0: that was a, that's a lot of copy machines i mean it, it we, was we, a
1: lot we, it really was it was amazing and i was making really good money but it wasn't my passion you know i didn't want right. to do that anymore. so anyway so i um i and once i got to the point where i was like okay well have a little bit of money set aside now and that was the exact same time when i got casted on my first television series on bravo and because i was casted on the television series at the same time as having that financial security, it then became the moment to quit my job because I had a little bit of a, a leg to stand on with the television show. Mm-hmm. And then I also had a leg to stand on in the fact that, you know, I was going to be able to go to the grocery store if things went bad. And, what, you know, I'll tell you what was the TV the, show? It was called Bravo TV's Platinum Hit. Okay. And it was in 2012, I think it was. And it was with Jewel and um, Cara Diaguardi and it was a show about songwriters. And uh, it was just so, it was just up my alley, you know? It was a perfect little stepping stone for me. And looking back, it's just such a sweet little opportunity that I got to be a part of.
0: That's amazing. All right, so nice. so you get the television, show, you got your runway, you were about to say something about, about what that meant for you.
1: Yeah, just the opportunity to have that little bit of leverage. You know, looking back now, I mean, at the time, it was like the best opportunity ever. But looking back now, I mean it was the first step and then everything else just kind of, it kind of stepped on top of that. And then, you know, it's, it's really a beautiful thing because here I am, however many years later, and I still have that reserve financial funding that I put aside, you know, I still have it. It's still sitting there. It's, you know, because I don't know when the opportunity is going to come to fly out to LA and hang out with you guys and film a series (laughs) and, you know, you just don't know. And you don't want to ever, I don't ever want to have to say no because of a financial burden. I want to be right. like, "Yep, we'll be there. See you there." You know. And so, so I've been blessed that the that the music career has funded my life and my and my music for this entire time. But I also have the leverage to roll the dice in situations where I need to.
0: Right. Well, wait. When that, and that's huge. So, how I mean, how do you have the discipline? You're making the good money. Is are you never tempted to? during those three years were you never tempted to, I mean, to spend the money on yourself during that time, like just a spa day or something.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, I'll tell you, I, you know, you say you use the word discipline and I will tell you that I, I am very disciplined when it comes to money. Um, I think it's because of the way I was raised. My grandfather was extremely fiscally conservative and so was my father. And they kind of raised me to, um, you know, to have this sort of mentality of, you know, it's not really necessarily about how much money you make, but rather how much money you have financially secure that you can feel that you can help others. You can, Mm -hmm. you know, if someone calls you and says they need you to pay their electric bill, you can pick the phone up and pay it. Like they just taught me this mentality of like the power of having a little money put aside. Mm -hmm. And it has been the biggest blessing for me because, you know, I see other people that get in financial stressful situations and I, I'm like, man, you know, I've never had to experience that because I, you know, use the old dishes that my mom gave me rather than going to Bed Bath & Beyond and spending $150 on a new set, you know, like (laughs) I just, I don't really have that nice of things. I have, I have a very nice home. I have nice things, but I don't, I don't have, I don't live this lifestyle of like lavish things. I just feel my goal right now in my life is to build my empire with my Waldrop worldwide family um my music career and also um we have some of kind of a deep thing going on it's it's not just you know you use the word entrepreneur and i think that's so important because you know as an artist it's like you get to a point where you have you have two different things you, you either you can either have a fan or you can have a family mm-hmm. and i have a family i have five hundred thousand people across the globe who who love me who care when i'm sick who hmm. who send me flowers when i'm sick who Show up at my gigs and buy a VIP, not because they can't hang out with me before, but because they want to support me financially and, and get me down the road to the next show. So, what we've been able to accomplish is more of a is more of a community through music than I've ever seen. I've never seen anything like it. It's something that is unbelievable, and it's rooted in a moment of uh, despair for me. You know, I I was in Nashville for however many years and, and wasn't getting a record deal and wasn't, you know, wasn't getting, you know, some sort of massive investor. And I didn't have.
0: Was this after the sort of, television show? You weren't getting an this investor? Was,
1: uh, this was, uh, yeah. After that television show, I went on tour and, and I started playing small clubs. And when you're playing small clubs, you can feel like you're getting ahead because yeah, you're making 400 bucks or 500 bucks or whatever. Right. And you feel like right. you're taking those steps, but then you max that out. And then you add the band and then now you're playing bigger, bigger rooms. And then you've got Mm -hmm. a five piece band and then you're riding on the highway and then you max that out. And then you kind of look in the mirror and go, okay, what am I doing? Because I don't even have enough funding to make a record because I'm playing these little small club gigs and my music isn't getting the treatment it deserves. And so that's when I opened my heart and I opened my wallet and I opened my soul. And I said, you know, there were a lot of people who felt like I shouldn't do it. And, and that it was a very emotional time for me, but I just opened my heart and said, Hey, you know, if you've loved my music and you've supported what I'm doing, I would love to partner with you. And if you would like to go ahead and pre-order this record before we ever even make it, then this would be a great opportunity for you to be a partner in this project rather than just buying it when it comes out. So I kind of flipped the business model a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I allowed people to pay for the album, the music before it was created rather than taking the financial burden myself, creating it and then hoping that people would pay for it after. So I did that. My family thought it was a bad idea. A lot of my friends thought it was a bad idea. Other songwriters thought it was a bad idea.
0: Why did they think it was a bad idea? I mean, this is this is Indiegogo, right? It's 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 a popular platform. Why 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 was the why? Why did you face negativity?
1: I think people felt like I had worked so hard to develop an a name and you know, my, my artist brand and, and they felt like, you know, hang in there, Karen, you're going to get signed, you know, hang in there. Someone's yeah. going to come to the table. And I was just like, no, they're not actually Nashville and the music industry is very burdened right now with streaming. And I don't know that that's really going to happen for me in the next couple of years. And I'm not willing to wait any longer. And so I think they just felt like I was doing myself an injustice by announcing to the world that I needed that financial help. Whereas I felt like it was a road less traveled. I felt like this is an opportunity for me to go first. This is an opportunity for me to lead in Nashville. And now I'm sitting in a position where we have an album that charted on the Billboard charts, number 26 in all of country music last week. And people are reaching out to me, wanting me to tell them how. And you cannot be a leader unless you go first. And it was so scary for me, but I can't tell you how beautiful it is when, you know, I've got a line of people at my show and everyone's lined up to, you know, buy a photo or a CD or whatever. And and then that one pers- couple walks up and they're from the Indiegogo campaign. And it's like a huge hug and it's a moment and it's tears and it's thank you. And it's, and everybody else sees it and feels it. And it's such a deep connection. I can't even explain it. It's like, it's almost like they are the producer of the record. Yeah. And so it's just, a cool, it's just really cool. It's just something that's really special to me. And, and then on, on top of that, you know, we didn't promise these people, but we put all of their names on the album. So when you open the CD, every single person who gave even $1, even $1, there's people on there that literally gave $1. And every single name on the entire record is listed in the exact same size and font and color and everything. But these are the 600 people that paid for the music. And what happened was, Gib, those 600 people then became promoters. Yeah. Because not only were they uh, listening to the record, but they made it happen. Right. So then when it became time to release the record and to share it and to promote it, there they are on their social media pages saying, Hey, I was a part of this record. You guys should check it out. You know, they, it was more like they were a part of it as well. And that's the most beautiful part of it is that you not only become a producer, but you also become a promoter.
0: Mm-hmm. And that that, I, that, that uh, harkens back to your your family concept, right? Where you're you're including these people in your process and getting and getting them uh, getting them to be part of your of your family.
1: Yep. And then there's another part of my process that I think is interesting to discuss as well um, because it's something that I've never seen anyone else do, but it's basically um, the idea of giving and um, understanding that when you give, you do receive, you may not receive as much as you give, but you do receive. Mm -hmm. And so what I do is I do a weekly video series on Facebook where we just create a little video of me sitting somewhere or standing somewhere. And I just sing into the iPhone camera using a, um, a Sure microphone. It's a, it's a condenser mic that you just plug right into your iPhone, it's so easy. And we just create these videos that make people feel like they're there, like almost like they're in your house or that they're in your space or whatever. And then what happens is they know that they can come every single Wednesday. We do it on Wednesday at five. And they know that they can count on that video and that they can come back every single week and they can, and find it and receive for free. And they don't have to pay anything to view these videos. And then what happens is they become, um, it's like fishing, you know, you, you put these videos out and you, it's like fishing, you put the reel out and then you catch a fish. Mm-hmm. And so then you get someone and then now they're a part of your family. And so now they're on your page, they're on your Socials—they're on your email list. They're on your—you know—and I hate to—I I, would—I I hate to use the word customer base, but since we're talking about a process and we're talking about an entrepreneur approach, that's really what you're doing. You know, you're going out there and you're—you're you're throwing the fishing line out, and if—if fi- if you catch a fish, and for me, that's—you know—getting a, a Waltrip Worldwide member to join the family, and the, it's free. All they have to do is like our Facebook or our our Instagram or our YouTube, and then now you have them as a part of your family and as a part of your quote-unquote customer base Mm -hmm. and then when you're there to go and release a new record or a new show date or a ticket or um, a hat or a koozie or a t-shirt or whatever it is that you're creating you have people that are sitting there waiting to be a part of that moment and so for me it's you know it's about you know speaking of goal you know I I have 500,000 and my goal is to have a million people in Facebook um, community and Instagram and YouTube and then it's like, you know, what else could you really ask for?
0: Right. So how do you, okay, so if, how do you avoid, because in the arts, it's kind of hard. How do you avoid, you say customer-based, and I know it's an entrepreneurial, an entrepreneur, this is such a hard word. I, when we were talking before, I couldn't say It's such an entrepreneurial endeavor to begin with, right? And you're, you're treating it like an entrepreneur would. So, how do you maintain though the integrity of the art? How do you how do you continue to be an artist with an artistic relationship with your fans while also uh, being a businesswoman?
1: That's a really great question. Um, I try to shake it off when I walk on stage, and really, really, um, you know, I've played a lot of bars, I've played a lot of honky tonks, I've played four hours straight at Tootsie's for seven nights straight on the beach in Panama City for nothing, for pennies. You know, I've I've played shows in all kinds of different environments. Mm-hmm. And I learned the power of keeping a smile on your face and, and kind of centering and picturing the show being important and meaningful and powerful. And I just try to shake off the burden of the business when I walk on stage. Um, and then I try to just really... Embrace the musical moment when the musical moment is there mm. So I, it's kind of like a prayer almost it's like when you start you're like, okay now it's music time You know, there's so much business time, you know, there's so many moments of of business and right. moments of Of this person need and personnel and and band members and all that that has nothing to do with music but when it becomes time for music that's when it's very important for me to just shake it all off, like Taylor Swift says, and just <laughs> be in the moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, you had to get a Taylor Swift reference in there. Uh, okay, so so let's back up. I, I actually want to go back to something uh, before you quit your, your copier job and you have this 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 nest egg saved up. How how did you get the TV show? That, then that was when oh. you did this for quitting. How did that happen?
1: Oh, um, I auditioned. There was someone that I was in my life at the time who told me about the audition. And he said, Hey, if you want to, um, go audition for this, then you can just show up at whatever time it was. And I remember it was really hot that day and I did not want to go because <laughs> right. I had to like stand in line somewhere in the heat or something. And my friend was like, you need to just do this. You need to do this. And you know, I'm really glad you brought that up because I should send him a little thank you text today. Cause that was such a long time ago, but such an important moment. Um, but I just went and auditioned, you know, with the other thousands of people in Nashville that wanted to be a part of it, and it just kind of happened.
0: And and did that show give you the fan base necessary to be able to launch your own Indiegogo campaign? I mean, how did you at that point? You're you're playing these small gigs. How do you how do you build a fan base from that? Because I, I I mean I I'll, I'll give you I'll, I play comedy clubs around L.A. But I but you know the the I, I do it to work out material that I use in other places. I've never. I don't really keep in touch with the people that come to the shows.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, so for me, um, it's been about uh, trying to capture the fan base since the beginning. So every single show I've ever played in my entire career, even back when I was playing in Ireland for drunks in a club, you know. Best audience in
0: the world, by the way.
1: Oh my God, Ireland, I can't wait to go back. They are so fun and they love country music. It's adorable. They are so into it. But anyway, um, even just like, yeah, I mean, just small clubs, anywhere I was playing, I would do things like, if you like our Facebook page, I'll give you a free sticker. Or if you, if everybody who likes the Facebook page, I'm going to draw one person tonight to get a free t-shirt or whatever. And so now I've got people who who heard me in a bar in Oklahoma in 2014, who are still a part of the growth of it, which is pretty special.
0: Yeah, that's that's incredible. Okay, so Let's, uh, so you finally you take this plunge you you uh, you quit your day job now you're you're self financing a record uh, or, or using Indiegogo to finance a record and you have this you have this tribe of people that are that are that are following you everywhere um, do, at what point do you feel like you've made it at what point is it are you done is it at the million followers or 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 what are what are your where are you gonna take these people.
1: Um, I think that I made it about a year ago. I think I made it about a year ago. About a year ago when people started to tell me how much my music was changing their lives. You know, when people were telling me that they were, you know, on the brink of committing suicide and that they didn't because of Walter Gore Live. You know, I've got about 20 people that I know personally that feel like they live for our mission in music. Wow. Lot of people, you know, 20 people is a lot of people who have told me. I don't know how many people are feeling that way, but, um, and I think it's about, um, it's about perception. It's about, it's about how you perceive it. And I think it can be really challenging because, you know, there can be moments where you're like watching Carrie Underwood and you're like, oh my God, I wish I had that production or I wish I had that tour bus or I wish I had that lighting or I wish I had this, that, and the other. And it's like, then you have to stop and go, that's how her career was called to be. That was how, her life was, was meant to impact people. And my Mm -hmm. life is meant to impact people in a different way. And that's okay. And sometimes even people on my own team can't see that. And I've had people quit because they're like, well, you're not, you know, going after mainstream radio, you're never going to grow or you're not this and that and the other. And I'm like, well, I'm having a really great time and I'm making the music that I love. And I've got a killer record and I've got, you know, half a million people who love and support me. So I'm sorry that you no longer share the vision. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I think it's just kind of a place of like, and I don't want to sound like I don't care about growth because trust me, I do. I work my butt off every single day, but I think when you make the perception and you keep it real and that's my song justified off my new record, you know, it's like,
2: <laughs> Quick plug. We came,
1: yeah, record plug. It's like one, the lyric that I wrote is like, um, you know, justified every mile, all the blood, sweat and prayers are legitimized because here's the deal. We came to keep it real and make the people feel the way I'm feeling when they're rocking like they are tonight. And that's justified, you know, and that's how I feel. It's like, it, I, I'm here to keep it real. You know, I, I don't really necessarily feel the need to have the sexiest legs, you know, of all of country music. I, I don't, I no, don't, really I have feel- the
0: sexiest legs in all the country.
1: <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, you can put this like burden on yourself. And the next thing you know, you're freaking anorexic because you have all mm-hmm. this stress right. about trying to be so important. And it's like, I think people relate to me because they just feel like I'm just like kind of the girl next door, just kind of the, the, the girl that you just run into at the grocery store. You know, it's like, and and it's funny too, because it's actually really powerful living your life that way. Because then when people meet you and you're like, maybe you're at soundcheck and you don't have makeup on and they got to the gig early and you've got like a little cowboy hat on or a little baseball hat or something. And they walk up to you and they're like, that is Karen. That is the same person that I've seen on the internet. That is the same girl. There's no smoke and mirrors going on. And it's just because I did it for so long and, and I'm not proud of this, but for, there was a long time where I, I tried to be more important than I am. I tried to be, you know, tried to perceive it to be bigger than it was. And I just don't think it's necessary.
0: It it sounds like you found a way to use the internet to connect with fans directly that, that you, that probably if you were coming up maybe in the nineties, you wouldn't have been able to do.
1: I know. Isn't that crazy?
0: I mean, like the timing was everything.
1: It really is. And, and that's what's so interesting. Cause you, I mean, I constantly am hearing people in the music industry complaining about, oh, this is problematic or this is problematic or this is problematic. And I'm like, wait a minute, hold the phone. Do you realize that you have an iPhone that can take video content and you can upload it to the globe instantly? Mm -hmm. And that has never been able to happen ever in the history of the world until about 10 years ago or whatever, five years, I don't even know. So, you know, there's opportunity now that was never there. You know, you've got an opportunity to, um, go live on Facebook in real time and right. talk to people in real time like that's like didn't come around until like 2014 or
0: something that used to be a pay-per-view special that required hundreds of thousands of dollars seriously
1: much- yeah. and then there's like so many things and then there's like Alexa streaming people can just yeah, Alexa play Karen Waldrup, and you know bam <laughs> it's like yeah. crazy you know so and then there's opportunity like Spotify and I don't know. So yeah, I think you're right. I think there is, I think there is an opportunity there. And, and someone asked me recently the other day out of Memphis, it was a Memphis um, blogger. And they asked me how I felt about females right now in country music and in music in general. And I said, the playing ground has never been more even because everybody has the same internet. We all have the same exact internet we have. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got really good internet because I got fiber optic speed. Hey, oh. <laughs> I mean, um, so we all kind of have this outlet of, of, of innovativeness and it's just a matter of who can find the peace within themselves to work and, and, be, and be good at that. And I don't know that, I don't know that many country artists or, or any artist in general... Maybe they don't want to do that and maybe that doesn't seem kind of the way that they pictured it being. And trust me, I'll be the first one to stand up and say, this is not at all the way that I pictured it being when I moved everything I owned to Nashville nine years ago. You know, this is not at all how I pictured it being, but I mean, you just wouldn't believe all the opportunity. I mean, we're flying to LA next week to be on Hallmark. You know, I'm getting product sponsorships all the time. We're partnering with, massive products we did a, a sure microphone sponsor today mm-hmm. um so there's just so much opportunity and i think
0: and I and think it's that because really- of your your online phone because of the waldrop worldwide family is that is that am i saying that right waldrop worldwide family
1: yeah waldrop worldwide family is my platform you know it's these people that are kind of like in my hands and i can i can tell them what i want to tell them so if i want to say hey Waldrop Worldwide, we, we went to Haiti, and this is a real thing, this is coming out next week on um, Wednesday the 1st, we have a song coming out called Tell Them We Lived, and we went to Haiti, they just brought me around town to town, and we just played music, and we just basically allowed God to kind of lead us, and, and we had a uh, film guy behind us, and he filmed it, and then we put this video together to this song, which basically is a testimony of, hey when I'm not here anymore, you know, I hope that when I'm gone, people people say, you know, this girl lived, like she did it. Like she, she made a difference in the world and, and she made an impact on people. And when mm-hmm. she lived, she lived it up. And, and that's the, the point of the song. It's for everyone who's listening to it to be inspired to go, what am I doing today that's going to make my life worthwhile? And, and what are people going to say about me when I'm gone? Are they going to say that I was greedy and, and evil and rude? And I know people like that. Or are they going to say, wow, this person was a part of a beautiful project for whatever mission. And so, so we have this video that's coming out on August 1st, and um, it is all in the hands of the internet and God and, and the mission and everybody. It's really not, I don't really feel like it's in my hands. You know, I feel like
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's going to go out and there's going to be a link for people to contribute directly to the organization. And our goal is to build a high school because there is nowhere for these kids to go and educate themselves to get them to a point where they can lead the country. And it's just crazy. So when they saw Waldrop worldwide, they were like, this is, you know, Waldrop worldwide, I'm a country artist. You know, I, I drink whiskey. I, I played bars, you know, I'm not like saying I'm some like sort of Christian artist or whatever, but we have sort of a Christian feel to Waldrop worldwide. Mm -hmm. We help each, we help each other. Like, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've been on, on um, Facebook or at a show or something, and one of the Waldrop Worldwide members in the show invites one of the other members to stay in their room, or hey, do you need a ride back to your car? Or yeah. I mean, it's a very much of a community thing. It's not. Right. It's not. It's not like a normal. It's not like a normal thing at all. It's, and you feel
0: like you foster that community, or do you feel like that's something that happened naturally?
1: That's such a great question. Um, I think it happened naturally. I don't think it was me at all. I think it was, I think it was the Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign. Honestly, it was the, you think it so, was
0: having a shared mission like that. Like, Hey, let's get, we all like this. We all like these YouTube videos. Let's make this into an album. Let's make this girl into an artist. That's what really, kind
1: me- of, yes. I and mean, that's like the best way I've actually heard it put. Yeah. It's like, it's like when I opened my heart and I was honest with people, mm-hmm. I think they then became honest with me. Right and honest with each other. And now we have this like unbelievable thing. Like just, this is a small story, but like just this the other day, like the other day, this girl, she really wanted one of my records. And so she said on Facebook, I really want one of your records, but I don't have any money right now. One of my other fans PayPal'd me $90 so that I not only could drop two records in the mail to her, but that I could expedite the shipping. And he figured there would be somebody I needed to pay to run to the post office. He sent me $90 to send this girl the music because he could not handle the fact that she could not afford it.
0: Right. That's amazing. It's just
1: cool. It's like they have each other's back. You know, I've got a guy in Germany who's counseling a girl in Texas. I've got one of my fans gave $4,000 to one of the other fans who was homeless. It's just like this community of outreach that is indescribable and it's so much bigger than me and that's why i feel so peaceful because if you're an artist that is all about you then Mm -hmm. it's all about how do i look tonight and am i are my legs right and did i work out today and did i you see this is the
0: second time you've mentioned legs is is there something sensitive there
1: (laughs) yeah i mean i I don't feel like i have the best legs (laughs) i'm just kidding i'm just kidding so it's just one of those things. So I feel like whenever it's a little bit bigger, then it's a little bit more gratifying,
0: you right. know? Right. Well, I, we, here, here's what I'm hearing you say. Like the entrepreneurial nature of your artistry uh, is, is that where other people, this is like Who Moves My Cheese 101. I don't know if you've ever read that book, but the, no, I
2: haven't.
0: It's, it's basically about, you know, these businesses that do really well for a while. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden their, their customer base just disappears. Uh, And that's kind of happened with music. I mean, music was a huge, huge industry for so long with huge margins. Then all of a sudden, the internet kind of killed their traditional business model. Um, And and a lot of people have just sort of lamented. They just turned over onto the side of the road and let themselves die um, in a metaphorical sense, not literally. Um, And, but yet there's people like you who seem to have found a way to use the internet to create a career where there may not have been one otherwise
1: interesting yeah
0: and I mean and I think that's a real that's a real entrepreneurial move I and you mentioned before like that this doesn't look like what you thought it would look like but it's but it would you say in some ways it's better I mean because you were expecting to move to Nashville you were expecting when you moved to Nashville to get a traditional record contract make make a traditional record then tour that record correct
1: yeah I mean I think I had this picture of like that this label was gonna pay for the record. And then I was gonna have like a 360 deal where they took a cut of like all my right. merch and all my music and all my whatever. Which is how where, it was done
0: for years, by the way. That's not a, it wasn't a pie in the sky thing. That's how people got going.
1: Yep, yeah, absolutely. And that's what I thought. And it just happened totally different. And even like my own family, like will be out and they'll, you know, like over like, um, cr- you know, get togethers, like uh, family reunions or whatever and like, Even some of my own family, they don't even necessarily realize it. Like until they sit down with me and they talk to me, they're like, oh my God, like you're, I didn't even realize that your career is in this place because it's Mm -hmm. not so in your, it's not like in everybody's face, you know? It's very like modest and rich and full. It's very humble. It's really sweet.
0: Like a small, very fertile patch of land as opposed to a large factory farm
1: yes totally and then like I and mean, then it's adorable because I like get on the airplane and then like nobody knows who I am but that one lady who like sees me and is like so excited and facetimes her husband because they follow me and so mm. it's almost like you have you don't have this massive sort of image like not everybody knows who you are but then whenever that one person does it's like really special
0: yeah it's, it's, it's really cool I wonder if that's going to be what the future of entertainment is in general, not just for, you know, artists like you, but if it's, if it's going to be everybody's kind of niche, like there's a niche filmmaker that everybody that follows that filmmaker is really into. And it's, it's not going to be, it's not all going to be like Marvel movies anymore. You're you're going to have these like smaller things that people connect with and whether it's smaller albums or, or much more niche, you think that that's where everything is headed?
1: I mean I think maybe I think there's never been more of a, an affordable time to make content mm-hmm. entertainment right. content, you know and other artists like um, especially in Nashville they'll ask me like what what advice do you have you know what advice mm-hmm. do you have and I always quote my friend from Country Rebel he's out of San Diego and he told me about three years ago he said or two years ago he said don't ever underestimate the value the um, power of video content
0: interesting interesting it's true it's really true. I mean, it's it's the most engaging stuff you can find. We're all staring at screens all day long, playing video back, so it makes sense. So uh, one of the things, Karen, I want to talk to you about before before we let you go, and, and really thank you so much for spending this time with us to talk about where you are. Um, I, I want to know what you do on a day-to-day basis. Like you know, these are you have big goals, big goals that require a daily grind. So take me through uh, a typical day. What what time do you normally get up in the morning?
1: Well, I am not super early bird. Um, I like to get up like maybe like at eight or nine. I'm like kind mm-hmm. of like a, uh, a, like I like to like meditate in the morning a little and just mm-hmm. kind of chill out. Um, and then I like to go to the gym. Um, so a typical day would be get up, kind of take it easy, do my thing, brush my teeth, go to the gym. Then after the gym, uh, come home, shower and like get in my emails and answer any sort of tended emails I need to. And then my team will usually arrive around like one, one thirty after I've kind of started out my own grind and then by that point by the time they arrive i usually have lists made for each one mm-hmm. of them who, so who i've is learned to become
0: who's your team and what are they
1: okay so i have uh, my team is the people who help me with my music business so um <clears throat> for example i have a manager i have a business manager i have a publicist i have um a tour manager i have um mm-hmm. uh, Four five-piece band. I have a saxophone player who works for me, uh, five days a week, and also plays with me on the weekend. But kind of helps me keep all the video content going. He shoots my Walter Wednesdays. You could call, he's like a he's a man of very many hats. His name's Chris Schaffer. Okay. He, he's like uh, my right hand man. Um, plus, I have about four or five Belmont interns at all times. There's this a university here in Nashville Holy called Yeah, so they're always like coming by and willing to help. And they're, I love working with Belmont students because not only are they getting experience in real experience, not like BS filing paperwork, like real right. experience, you know, like coming on set, filming videos with us, running errands, doing, you know, driving the van for the band, you know, working the merch table, managing the band, dealing with the, all of it. They deal with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one Belmont intern who's gotten so freaking good at Spotify playlists, you know, it's like, Anyway, so these kids are like they're they're not just um, they 're not just affordable because obviously they 're affordable. I only pay them like x amount per semester, like a book scholarship thing. Mm-hmm. so not only are they affordable for me, but what it does is it allows them to get a real glimpse of what it looks like and then sometimes they 'll finish their semester and i 'll give them their grade and i 'll never see them again because they mm-hmm. decided they didn't want to be in the music industry or because they wanted to go into publishing or some sort of other facet that they don't necessarily were not interested in, you know, whatever. But then I'll have other interns that shine so bright that once their internship ends, then I offer them a position. Right. And so I'll offer them hourly pay and they'll do it in between classes or when they graduate or maybe they'll come on the road and help manage the band or whatever.
2: Awesome.
1: So that's really helpful because I'm able to like test them out for about mm-hmm. five months. See how sharp they are, and some interns are like ridiculous. Like you can give them a job, and they'll knock it out in like five seconds. Right. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing.
0: Now, so I now think what the am one I gonna do with you for the rest of the day.
1: Do what
0: now? What am I going to do with you for the rest of the day? You, you got it done. I know <laughs> you,
1: you. did it all, but yeah, I mean, so, so they all kind of shine, and then they and then they kind of gravitate to what they're interested in, and I can kind of channel them into that type mm-hmm. of role. Um, right. and then what's really cool about that is it's taught me how to delegate, you know, how to, how to be that person who says, Hey, will you, will you go do this for me, uh, in this list of things? And then meanwhile, right. I'm over here getting in the zone, drinking my throat coat tea, getting ready for the gig, you know, cause it can wear you down all the right. little nuances of it. And and so the, the team really helps with that.
0: Totally. So, so I mean, I'm hearing like, is that what that's. 10, 15 people every day that come, are coming over?
1: Oh, um, but they don't all come over every day. Um, some of them just work remotely. Like my publicist, mm. she kind of works remotely. She just sends me Got emails it. and kind of do whatever she asks me to do. So no, they're not coming over every day. But like our company meeting at the beginning of this year was um, 20 people. Wow. All sitting around a conference table and they're all believe in the music, believe in the mission, believe in the project. And they're all um, three of them. We call them the three musketeers and they strictly and solely handle Facebook fan mail. So their entire role is to go into Facebook. And when someone says, hey, we love your music, then they write back and say, we're so thankful that you're part of Waldrop Worldwide. Welcome. Um, Here's a link to the online store if you want to grab a CD or if you want to check out Karen's tour schedule, find out when she's in your area. We'd love to meet you sometime. And then there's like a little bit of a conversation that goes on between, um, and their names are Bonnie, Terry, and Karen. And those, I call them the three musketeers. And they're the ones that allow me to step back from the actual day-to-day process of Facebook and allow me to stay in the creative mindset of, okay, right. what's my next week's video going to be? Or, or how are we going to partner with this brand? Or how are we going to uh, leverage whatever opportunities we have? But honestly, it's really a cool thing. It's really, yeah. I encourage other artists to take an entrepreneur approach because no one gets to tell you no ever.
2: Right.
1: You you get to create whatever kind of brand you want. You get to you get to still be that person that says like I find myself all the time like somebody will come with me to, to with an opportunity, and I'll just be like that just doesn't match my brand. Like that just doesn't feel <laughs> like my brand.
0: That sounds like you know? such an L.A. thing. Oh, that's a lot. I was going to drink a latte, but it's off brand for me right now. So I switched to a spa.
1: It's just not my style, that latte <laughs> with that milk in it, that dairy product. <laughs> uh,
0: so Okay, so, so 1 o'clock, everybody shows up. I want to finish this. What, you, what your daily process is. They, they show up, That you, you give them their task list for the day. There's certain people that do. And then and what happens after that?
1: Yeah, so they'll like have whatever the, they need to be done, and then I'll be like in my room. Maybe I'm like getting packed for the next run of shows with my stylist person, and we're getting like my wardrobe and everything picked out something that nobody can do except us. Like, right, there's certain roles in this job that only you can do, and I try to only do those jobs. So, if there's anyone else that's able to do a job, I try to delegate that job. Got it. So, for example, if if there's a new, there's one sitting in my email right now, this jukebox company that wants my new record. Okay. I don't have to do that. That's something that someone else is capable of doing. So therefore it gets added to their list. Totally. But there's another email in there. That's maybe from a fan who, you know, needs me to do a certain sort of um, you know, hey, it's Karen Waldrop. We're really excited to play next weekend in Georgia. Make sure to check out the tickets online. Like no one else can do that. So then that gets put on my list. I mean, I
0: could put on a wig and do that for you, but it wouldn't be quite the same.
1: I don't think it would be as effective. (laughs) So I try to like um, delegate the jobs that I can do and do only those jobs and then give the other jobs that Somebody else can do to those people, and then they do that, and then they'll work until whenever. Sometimes we'll work till you know, say six o'clock, and then maybe I'll go live that night on Facebook. You know, they say we'll set up the lights, we'll go live on Facebook, we'll talk about whatever we're talking about. Then maybe we have a gig that night, you know, maybe we all load up and go play a gig, or or maybe we go to an event like tonight, we have a dinner. You know, one of our fans is taking us to a five star hotel, five star restaurant to congratulate us on the record you know so wow. there's a lot of that you know there's a lot of okay well i want to do that not only for the fan but for me you know i want to <laughs> enjoy a nice dinner with a fan and, and yeah, get to know I wanna them, do
0: that. anybody want to take me to a yeah place? let's go
1: heck yeah give uh, yeah. some nice wine and steak i'll be there yeah. yeah so so yeah so we just try to be as efficient as we can with our time but also enjoy each moment because I feel like the moments that are, the lessons that I learned today and the things that I learn, and the growth that I experience, only prepare me more for the experiences for tomorrow. Right. So I try to really live in the moment as much as possible. I know I'm it sounds here. like I have it all together. I, I don't really have it all together. But no,
0: it doesn't. It, you, you sound like you're all over the place. It's, it's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm hearing, I'm, I, so I hear a very business-like day. I'm hearing a very entrepreneurial day. How do you find time to grow as an artist? Like, do you, are you writing songs in that period? Like, where do you fit the art into that?
1: Okay. So typically, like, um, say I'm out and about like on an airplane or something, and I hear like an idea, and I'll be like, oh my gosh, that would be such a great song idea. I'll just write it in my phone. Like, I won't write it in that very moment. I'll just like, jot it down in my phone. Then the next time that I'm like out and about, maybe I run into a great songwriter that I've known for a year or two, I'll just be like, hey, you want get, to uh, get a writing session on the books? And then they'll be like, yeah, and they'll get their phone out and then we'll schedule like a block of time. So maybe like 10 to two or Mm -hmm. 10 to three, and we'll schedule that little block of time. And then I'll put that on my calendar and then I get dressed and that's a part of that day. And I go and I sit down with that writer and, and we write that song in that moment. So my team is not there bogging me down with business stuff and I'm able to focus on, and then I can go back to that list of ideas and go okay, well, I had this idea when I was on the plane in LA and I had this idea when I was in Colorado and I had this idea when I was in Florida and, and then we'll pick one and then we'll just sit down and write it. And then maybe that night when I'm home and the lights are all off, I'll pick up my guitar and I'll just practice it like seven times in a row. Mm-hmm. And then I'll like get some coffee or dinner and then I'll sit down and I'll practice it again or maybe, and then there's times of um, fluxes too. Like sometimes there's times where maybe there's, two days where it's just kind of quiet, you know, there's just not a lot going on. So then you take your guitar out on the front porch and you just freaking practice for like a while, you know, and you just, you just drill it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I just kind of, I just kind of go through the ups and downs of, of creative. And also there's moments like right now we're so focused on this record that I have not been writing as much. This month, as maybe I did two months ago, you know. Mm-hmm. So, kind of depends on what you're going through, too. You know, the premiere week of the record, I did not write a song. I was focused oh, on. Right. Yeah, I mean, I was focused on charting and trying to get some movement. So, but then, you know, next week I'll be in Colorado with my family, doing a four days off, and I'll have my guitar, and maybe I'll go out up to the top of the mountain and write a song or right. whatever. You know. Totally. So I don't know. I just I feel like I kind of just I just kind of play music. I just oh and another thing that's important in my process too is that I always have my guitar out. I always have my all I have five guitars, but I always have them out on display. Mm-hmm. I don't put them in cases because I find that when they're out and they're hanging that my. I'm more likely to grab it.
2: It just pl- start and Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because if it's in its case like you like forget about it. Totally. But if it's like out then you'll grab it and be like just noodle around for 5 minutes and then you'll right. make your line and then you'll noodle around for 5 minutes. So I don't know, I just kind of just kind
0: of balance it the best I can, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, that's, 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 you know, it sounds like a full plate of a lot of different directions you're being pulled in. Um, and, and it, first of all, I just want to thank you so much for being a part of us, part of this with us today and, and sharing your story and how you, how you found a way I think to navigate a very difficult industry in a very difficult time and it, it, to sort of bring yourself the artistic and business satisfaction that, I mean, that, all of us are kind of seeking. Um, I want to, I want to end with one final question. And, uh, it's, it's, to me, it's one of the most important ones. What advice would you give to your younger self when you were, when you decided, when you were leaving school and you decided to move to Nashville, what advice would you give to that version of Karen, uh, that, if, if you could, I mean, obviously that's an impossibility, but if you could, what would you say? Yeah,
1: no, I know exactly what to answer that. Um, the one thing I think I did wrong in the beginning of my moving here is that I was going to those events and I was trying to see what other people could do for me. Like, oh, you know, this person, let me meet them. What could, how could that help, you know? Whereas right. if I could go back now, I would walk into that same room Walk into that same event, except this time I would make take it more of an approach like I do now. Walk in, I meet someone, I connect with that one person. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what they bring to the table for me. It's about connecting with them as a human and as a person and as right. a genuine connection. And it maybe if I only meet three or four people in the whole night, that's okay. Because the genuine connection is there. And then when I run into them at the gym, I can be like, Hey, you want to do some abs? because we actually connected, you know? And I think when I first, yeah, like when I first got here, I was more about like, how many people can I meet? How many cards can I get, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a mistake young people make.
0: Yeah. If you ever see me at the gym, please do not come up to me and say, hey, let's do some abs.
1: Do you want to do elliptical instead?
0: No, no, <laughs> Just, but let me do chest and arms, which is all guys do in the gym anyway. Well, that's anyway. right. Karen, thank you so much for being a part of us. Uh, when, uh, how, how should people follow up with you if you, if they want to, if they, if they want to be a part of Waldrop worldwide family, how do they do that?
1: All they have to do is choose their preferred social media outlet. So if that's Instagram, YouTube, or Facebook, or all three, whatever they want, they can join on every single one if they want, but whatever their preferred, in, um, social media, uh, presence, I would just encourage them to like our page on any of those places and then Get involved, you know, comment, um, share, uh, interact with other people on it, just kind of get involved. You know, the more people get involved, the more they get out of it. And it, it is free. You know, it's not like no one has to pay to be a part of Waldrop Worldwide. It's just a community of people all across the globe. You know, we got people like in Norway. I mean, you can you can connect with people all across the globe with one common thing, and that's... That's you. I guess. <laughs> I know, isn't internationally
0: it? Internationally over Karen. That's a trip,
1: man. Still, just thinking of that, that's a trip.
0: Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Karen Waldrop. appreciate you.
1: Thank you guys so much. We appreciate you sharing the music.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening. That's it for our show. Once again, thank you to Karen Waldrop for being on our show today. I will put a link to all of her social media in the show notes. You can check it out. As always, I am your host, Gib Gerard. You can find me at facebook.com slash Gib Gerard or at Gib Gerard on all of the social media platforms. I'll put links to those in the show notes as well. If you like Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast, please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really help us, helps us out a lot. If you don't like the podcast, just stop listening. Please don't tell anybody about it. Just just move on. Uh, that's it. Here, as promised, is that song, Justified by Karen Waldrup. Thank you guys for listening.
2: Another tip jar tank of gas headed to the show it ain't just another couple hundred miles with a couple hundred more to go it ain't just another set of strings and a girl running down a drink cause when the lights go more